This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I really got to pondering this, this afternoon. I said, God, I'm really just, I just don't feel that liberty. I just don't feel that freedom in the message. And so I just got to, kept, I kept on reading through our scripture this morning in Matthew 27. And there was something that I had never paid attention to in verse number 55. Watch what the Bible says. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee. Now I want you to notice they have been with him since the beginning. They were with him in the beginning. They were with him in the end. Now notice what it says. Ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. Now that's an interesting little tidbit to throw into the Scripture. You know, the Holy Ghost doesn't waste words. I say that all the time, and I'm telling you right now, when you read your Bible in the morning in your devotional time, in your meditation time with the Lord, whenever a word pops out at you, I promise you that is God getting your attention because every line, every word, every period, every punctuation mark was put there for a reason. So whenever God tells through the, the Apostle Matthew about these two verses about the fact that at the cross there were three specific women that stayed there at the cross. Now we know at the cross there were roughly five people that we know by name. There were the three women in verse number 56, and then there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the beloved apostle. Now, Matthew does not mention Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Matthew does not mention John, the beloved disciple. He mentions three very specific women, and I do believe that I have the reason why. Because these women were very similar to Brother Matthew. Now, brothers and sisters, hear me. Here we've got Jesus at his lowest hour. Here we have Jesus in the worst place in his life. And everybody has walked away. Everybody has walked out on God. Everybody has left the Lord. And there's now just three women that Matthew mentions. I want to give you these three things. I want you to write these down. Because there were three different groups of people in the life of the Lord Jesus. And you'll find that there in every church in America, in every church around the world, there are these three types of people. And you'll apply this in your life as well. There are three different types of people. Number one, there is what I call the group of spectators. What does that mean? That group of spectators, those are the people that have come for the show. We find that in John chapter number 6 that there are roughly about 20,000 of these people that are just there because Jesus fed them, are just there because Jesus healed them, are just there to see what's going on. They are just there for the show of it all. They didn't come to follow him as Messiah. They didn't come to follow him as the Son of God. They came because they 
wanted to see what all the hubbub was about. Brothers and sisters, there will be people like that in the church and they just come because they heard about a TV or they just came because somebody shared a video. Now hear me and hear me well. You'll find in your Bible while preachers made down that group of people, the Lord Jesus never downed that group of people. In fact, I know on Sunday morning it is very uncomfortable in here. I know it's hard finding a seat and I know it's tough moving around and feeling like you're going to get everything that has ever crawled in a petri dish in a bacteria lab somewhere. I know people are coming and people are going and there is that tendency inside of us to say I'm the one that's here. I'm the one that's given. Brothers and sisters, I hear all that but may we never forget what the mission of the church is and that's to reach out beyond the walls and to preach the gospel to whosoever will listen. And honey, if I have to blow walls out of this thing, if I have to beat doors down, if I have to have 18 services on Sunday morning, I'm here to tell you we want people to come hear the gospel. We want people to come into the house of God. But may we never forget that's only the first group. There's a second group. The second group of people are what we call the supporters. That's in the upper room, the 120. Those are the people. Man, they're in it pretty good. You know, they really believe in what's going on. They really do like what this man's got to say. And they believe what this man has got to say. They have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been baptized in the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. And let me tell you, with that group of people, man, God does a wonder-working power because on the day of Pentecost with 120 of God's real supporters, man, the Holy Ghost falls in that place, cloven tongues like as a fire come down on that house, and before you know it, the whole city is in an uproar. And that is what God is raising up in this house right now. He's raising up a good strong backbone of supporters and man they believe in the Lord Jesus. They believe in the work of the church. They believe in the preaching. They believe in the singing. They believe in this way of worship. They believe in this line of thinking. They believe they follow. They'll go but don't forget there's another group after them because the spectators will never go as far as the supporters but the supporters will never go as far as this third group and I call them the stairs. At the cross, there were not 6,000 people there. There were not 120 people there. There were five. And only one of them, Jesus had washed his feet. Because you will find in your journey that there will only be a select group of people that are going to be with you through thick and thin. Oh, everybody likes it when you're feeding them hush puppies and biscuits. Everybody likes it when you got barbecue lunches and ain't nothing wrong with that. That's what we're here to do. If Jesus can take loaves and fishes and multiply them and feed the multitude, so can you and I. If Jesus could rent an entire hillside and preach to probably 55 to 60,000 people at the Sermon on the Mount, so can you and I. But I don't ever, ever get confused. That first group's not who's going through it. You know, we never find anybody in that second group of 120 that ever faced persecution. 
that third group, the stairs. The people that were there through thick and thin. You know what I got a lot of in this room right now? I got a lot of stairs. I got a lot of people who see through the fray. I got a lot of people that see through the hubbub of TV. I've got a lot of people that see through the, the, the smoke and the screens of everybody else's opinion. And yes, they see the bad and they see the problems and they see the issues and they see the situations and they see where this could be and they see where that could be. And no, it's not always up in the air and it's not always bubbly and wonderful. I'll tell you right now, I understand that. But here's what you'll find it's that group of stairs that are dealing with the hardest burden. You realize Peter never saw him drive a nail in his hand? But Mary did. John the lesser never saw him. But Mary did. And some of you right now are fighting battles because you're a stare. I want to talk to you for just a minute on the burden of being faithful. You see, everybody gets up and preaches. You got to be faithful. You got to be reliable. You need to do what God wants you to do. But nobody tells you in that what's going to happen when you get faithful. Nobody in here is going to tell you. They'll say, yeah, you need to give. Yeah, you need to give. Yeah, you need to give. Man, I talked to a gentleman the other day. It's a faithful, avid supporter of the television program. He gave us a check the other week, and he handed the television program a check. He called me on Monday, and this is what he said. He said, I knew when I handed it over what it would cost me. He's a stare, and he's fighting. And there are people in this room right now and you pray for this old preacher. You pray for this congregation. You lift this place up and yes, you see the fray. Yes, you see all that stuff, but there's something inside of you and you've got your eyes set on the cross and you look, you look beyond the blood and you look beyond the gore and you look beyond the pain and you are a stare and nobody tells you what's going to come. Nobody tells you what it's going to be like. Let me give you three things right quickly. Number one, man, I feel the Holy Ghost in my soul. Number one, let me talk to you about the who of faithfulness. There were three specific people mentioned in chapter number 27 long about verse number 56. Here's who he says. He says Mary Magdalene is there. Then he says Mary the mother of James and Joseph is there. And then he says the mother of the children of Zebedee. There are three specific women that Matthew pictures here. Now there's a reason why I did not talk about Mary, the mother of our Lord. There's a reason why I did not mention John, the beloved disciple that leaned upon the bosom of Jesus. You know why? He identified with these three women. They bore a special place. When he looked at them, he looked at himself. And here's what he said. He said, man, he, these women were able to be faithful. I don't know why I abandoned him in his darkest hour. You say, who are those faithful people? You say, I can't sing. There were no singers at the cross. You say, I can't preach. There was not one preacher at the cross. You say, I cannot give. There was not one wealthy person at the cross. You say, who was at the cross? Number one, the first person that was at the cross was Mary Magdalene. You know what she was? She was the forgiven one. You see, long back in the book of John, you know what it says about Mary Magdalene? It says she was the woman that was possessed by the demons and possessed by the devils. But something changed 
changed in her life when that lowly man from Galilee, that little man from Nazareth, came a-walking by her way. He had no form nor comeliness that she should desire him, but he was stricken, he was bruised, he was chastised, and peace flow out of every word he said. She heard him speak there on that Mount of Beatitudes. She heard him say, Blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. She heard him say, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And you know what she said? She said, I've heard other men speak, but I ain't never heard a man speak like that man spoke. And she began to go after him. She began to search after him. Every time he got up to preach, it was like she was being talked to directly, even though there was a thousand there. And one day, after old John Wildman baptizer had been baptizing down in the Jordan, repent of your sins for the kingdom of heaven, she got right with God and she said, it's him, it's him, he is the Messiah. And in that moment, all those demons and all those devils, they left out of her soul and for the rest of her days, son, she went a-walking around and said, I ain't got nobody else that's been as good to me as that man has been good to me. Can I tell you right now, you do not have to be rich to be faithful. You do not have to be powerful to be faithful. You do not have to have talent to be faithful. You know what faithful people are? They're just forgiven people that have met the lowly Nazarene and he's changed their life. And you know what they say? He didn't abandon me at my lowest hour. And I won't be abandoning him at his lowest hour. There are people in this room right now. And it bothers me in churches that I'll hear about. A church that will seat five, six, seven hundred people. And there's about four or five old people that go to the church. And I get so mad in my spirit. And I get so mad in my flesh. I say, why won't you just leave? And you know what they're thinking? in this place where Jesus saved my soul is in this place where God changed my life and he just ain't let me go I think about the people that kept this church afloat all those years while nobody was a-coming, nothing was happening in here. What made those people come? What made those people keep giving? I imagine it was somewhere along the way. They looked up at this altar and they kept seeing Preacher Kanoi with that finger pointed out at him saying, Repent and be born again for the remission of your sins. And it was because they were forgiven, they were faithful. Number two, the second woman that was there, the Bible says she was Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. You know what she was? Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. She was the focused. She was the focused one. What does that mean? Can I ask you a question? Tell me one big thing James and Joseph did. No, no, no. You're not thinking of the right one. You're thinking about Acts chapter number 12. He was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Wrong one. That was James, the son of Zebedee. James and Joseph, you know what their tail end name is? James the Lesser. You know what we know about James the Lesser and Joseph? Nothing. All we read about is the fact that Jesus called them and nothing else. Why would their mother have been at the cross? You know why? Because it did not matter what he had given her. She was not there for the fanfare. 
She was not there because somebody was going to write her name up in lights. She was not there because her boys were going to be the next speaker. You know why she came? She loved the man on that cross. You know why she was there? She was there because of the one that was dying on that cross. And when everybody else had walked away because he was no longer the mighty rabbi that was going to overthrow the Romans, she looked at him and said, he may not be the mighty rabbi, but he's still the Messiah in my soul. And I've got my eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you something? This, this is going to sound sacrilegious, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but if Jesus had put on a potato sack and walked around doing a bunny hop, I believe you would have seen one woman there with him. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. You know why? Because it didn't matter what Jesus was doing. She just wanted to be with him. And If it meant dying, it meant dying. Number three, the third woman there, the third woman there, the Bible says is the mother of the children of Zebedee. You know what she is? She's the hopeful. The mother of Zebedee's children. Those are two boys. They're called the sons of thunder. James and John. Roughly about four and a half days before our passage right here, four and a half days before that, James and John had made a foolish request. You know what they'd asked? Lord, when you come into your kingdom... Could we have the throne at your left hand and your right hand? And then their mother. After he says, you don't have any idea what you're asking of. Mama comes in. Mama says, Lord, my boys have left everything to follow you. Would you give them a seat by you? Give them a throne. This is what Jesus said. He says, your boys are going to get exactly what you're asking for. But in order to get there... It's going to cost them everything. Why was she at the cross? I thought she wanted a throne. Last time I checked, kings don't die on crosses. You know why she was there? She said, I don't care if it looks bad right now. I know who that man is, and I know if I hang with him long enough, he's going to take care of my babies. I know if I hang with him long enough, he's going to take care of my children. And here's the whole point. You look at that cross right there. You look at Matthew's rendition. You look at Mark's rendition. You look at Luke's rendition. You look at John's rendition. And you know two people you definitely won't see at the cross. You will not see James, and you will not see John, the sons of thunder. But you know who was faithful when they were not faithful? It was their mother. Now here's what I'm trying to tell some saint of God right now. You've got that youngin on your heart. You've got that child on your heart. You've got that child in your soul. And the devil says, they're not near Christ. They're nowhere around Christ. They're nowhere near the cross. They're nowhere near the life of being crucified with Christ. It does not matter where they are. That woman said, he made me a promise and I'm not leaving his sight until he fulfills that promise. He, she said this. She said, they can kill him. I'll go to the grave. You realize on resurrection morning, the woman that was at the grave, it was the mother. Her name is Salome, and she is there at the tomb of the Lord. I wonder why. I thought she was serving a king. He's dead. She said, I'm going today. Today might be the day. He gives me the answer to my prayer. I'm going back tomorrow because tomorrow might be the day that he answers my prayer. I want to encourage some little faithful mother, some little faithful father in this room. I know it looks like it's all walked away. I know it looks like it's all falling apart. But you give a God enough time and give God enough space and let the Holy Ghost do what only the Holy Ghost can do. That's the who. Who can be faithful? you'll find those three people are the people that just keep hanging in there. 
Those are the people who just keep coming back. Number two, let me show you the woe of faithfulness. Hey now, everybody can enjoy Jesus when you're eating crackers and sardines. Everybody can enjoy Jesus when you get a glimpse of a man walking on water. Everybody likes Jesus when it's happy slappy. Everybody likes being around that Nazarene when he's healing withered legs. But they that were at the cross had to endure something nobody else had to endure. They endured something they would never get out of their eyes and they endured something they would never get out of their heart. You say, how do you know? Three days after the death, Three women come to the tomb on resurrection morning. You know the three women? I'll show them in Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 1. It's the same three women that are here that Matthew talks about. And you know what they brought? The Bible says they brought myrrh and spices. You know what that was? Those are spices you applied to dead bodies to keep the stench from swelling up. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to clean up the mess. So they felt better about things. You know the problem with being faithful? It will cause you to endure things. Nobody else has to endure. You realize Peter never had to battle with the mental image of them whipping the back of the Lord Jesus? You realize Matthew never had to deal with the mental image of them piercing the hand of the crucified one? But three women did. Children of God, there are people in this room right now that have got scars from spiritual battle and it's come because of one reason. You've been faithful to God. You fight demons and you fight devils and you fight discouragement. You fight weariness and you fight oppression and you fight feeling like you're nothing. You fight feeling like your family's falling apart and some of you, your family has literally fallen apart right there in front of you and you keep asking God why and there's only one answer. You stayed faithful. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy. Tell me one time in your Bible that it told you it was all going to be easy. In fact, Jesus made sure you knew what you were getting into when you got into the church because he made this statement. He said, if any man will follow me, let him take up his. Cross ain't something that you bring to the dinner party. The cross ain't something that you lay on your back to go to your friend's wedding. You know what you do on a cross? You prepare to die. You prepare to suffer. And I'm telling the faithful right now, you are battling things for one reason. Not because you messed up on God. Not because you're not right with God. In fact, it's the flip opposite of that. It's because you are right with God. It's because you are being faithful to God. It's because you are praying. It's because you are serving. It's because you are dependent in the eyes of God but you're having to battle can you imagine what happened see we've got the advantage of having the whole Bible Reggie can you imagine what those three women felt when he cried it is finished you know what they thought 
the plan's over. Everything we've labored and served for for the last three years, wasted. Has anybody in the house of God ever felt that way? All that serving, wasted. All that praying, wasted. All that doing, wasted. All that pain, wasted. All those nights, wasted, wasted, wasted. It is you're doing it for one reason because you're faithful but I did not come tonight to break you I came tonight to bless you I didn't come tonight to hurt you I came tonight to help you because I want to give you number three anytime a preacher ever gets to number three you know the end is near or the juicy part is near and you hope that they're real close together let me give you number three the end and the juicy part because number three is found over in the book of Mark chapter 16 here's the reason that I brought you this far because there is a wonder in faithfulness you see faithfulness will make you experience things that other people will not have to experience it'll make you go through things that nobody else will have to go through. It'll make you fight things that nobody else has had to fight. It'll make you bear things nobody else has had to bear, but it'll also take you somewhere that nobody else gets to go. Mark chapter 16, verse number 1. Fast forward three days. When you fast forward three days, you're now on Sunday morning. We call it resurrection morning. Watch what chapter 16, verse number 1 says. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. These are the same three women at the cross. Let me give you a little glimpse of what it looks like down in Jerusalem at the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea's grave. The sun is just cresting over the eastern hillside of the Mount of Olives. The dew is lying heavy on the ground and the morning fog has yet to lift. Mary and the other Mary and now Siloam, they go down and carrying secretly, they have the spices for the body. Now that would have been a capital offense, but here's what you've got to understand. You know why it was a capital offense? because they expected to get inside of that tomb. But what had Pilate put on that tomb? He had put the Roman seal and anybody that broke that seal, anybody, my God, this is getting bigger in my head the more I think about it, anybody that broke that seal would have been condemned to death immediately. But yet they brought those spices that day fully intending to see the body of the Lord Jesus. You know what they said? They said, you know what? This may be my course and my journey. I may die for the sake of my calling. I may die being faithful to my Lord, but I was with him at the beginning. I was with him at his death, and I'm going to be with him until mine. Honey, they were going to break that Roman seal that day. They were going to see those soldiers stab them in the heart, but this is what they said. They said, I had rather be right with God than to be accepted in the eyes of man. Honey, they went that day, but as soon as the sun crested up over the eastern hillside,
pride of the Mount of Olives. They looked and they saw a sight that they never could have believed. The stone had been rolled away. Now immediately when they saw that, they did not think resurrection. They thought God had intervened. You know why? They felt like somebody else had already broken the seal. And at least, at least we can anoint his body without fear of death. But when they went in, here's the point. They thought God had done this in their life. But you know what God had really just done? Exceeding, abundant, above all they could ever ask. They had no idea they would meet the resurrected Christ that morning. They had no idea that their life was going to be forever changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. They went in that day, they run into that tomb, and they say, where is his body? They had no idea that inside of that tomb there was another man in white apparel. You see, Jesus had been buried in white linen shards, and they thought when they stood up there was another man, but this man was glowing. The last time they saw Jesus, he was covered blood head to toe. This man had on a spotless garment, had on a white garment, and he was shining like the noonday sun. And they said, Sir, what have you done with him? Here's what he said. He said, Women, fear not. He said, The Lord is not here, for he has risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Now here's my point. Peter never saw an angel that day. John never saw an angel that day. James never saw an angel that day. But there were three lowly women that stayed faithful through it all. Stayed faithful through the world. Stayed faithful through the fight. Stayed faithful through it all. And they saw something and felt something they never got over for all the days of their life. And they walked in. And they looked. And in that moment, you realize not one time, not one time, did either of those three women ever, ever, ever question, was he alive? You know why? Because in that second... It all made sense. You see, there's a lot of people, the spectators. There's a lot of people, the supporters, that can't really put it all together, what God is doing in their life. But the stairs, the faithful ones, they hang with it long enough and they get to the end, and it all makes sense. And farther along we'll know all about it. And farther along we'll understand why. So cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine Cause we'll understand it All by and by And farther along We'll know all about it And farther along We'll Understand why. So cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. Cause we'll understand.
understand it all by and by. It's going to be all right. Stay faithful. And the burden will be worth it.